Good morning, Midland Free. Good morning. Hey, just a quick question. I'm a little bit confused. Is there anyone who is in the first service? Are you in the? Okay, great. You're staying for a second. That's awesome. I thought I saw some of you in the, you know, doing two, and I was like, what's going on? Don't give away any of my secrets, okay? No, don't tell the answer to the story. I have a question for you this morning. My name is Pastor Jeremy. By the way, welcome here. We're delighted you're here to worship with us. Um, my question is this. Imagine, if you will, that you could have one and only one superpower. Don't, out, don't answer out loud yet, but what I'm going to do in just a second is I'm going to ask you what that is, and I want you to raise your hands, but get that thing in your mind. If you could have one and only one superpower, what would it be? Got it? It doesn't have to be an official superpower like of Superman or Wonder Woman or anything like that. You can make it up. Any superpower you can imagine, but you only get one. And no wishing for more wishes or anything like that. One superpower. And that's it. What would it be? All right, go ahead. Change the weather. I like that one. Very good. I'm going to write that down. Okay, changing the weather. See how I can work that into the sermon. Let's see. All right. What else? Another superpower. Back there. Unlimited patience. Very good. Okay. Another superpower. Be able to change people's minds. Jack. I thought Paulette was going to say that. <laughs> All right. Let's hear it. Change, change people's minds. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Marsha. Sorry. Mrs. Garl. To fly. Okay. That's a good one. Invisibility. And what was yours? Love. Love is your superpower. All right, I'll write down love, invisibility. Okay, what else? Very back. Yep. Strong, okay, I like that one. Any others? The power of healing. Okay, healing, good. So, so far we have changed the weather, unlimited patience, changed minds, Fly, love, invisibility, strong, healing. Are there any other important ones we left out? Yes, sir. What was it? Lack of fear. All right. That's a good one. Any others? Front front row, what is it? Never-ending endurance. Okay, good. Any others? Oh, there's one. What was it? Understanding animals. Okay. Good. I have one more blank left on my paper. So who wants to fill it out? Okay. Young man. Super speed. Very good. Your parents probably already think you have that. (laughs) All right. That's my guess. These are great answers. There were some interesting ones in the first service. One person said they wish that... 
vegetables tasted like dessert and dessert like vegetables. He said, oh, that's a good one. Another person said that they wished that they could never, ever, ever be bothered. Someone else said that they wished that they could read minds. And I said, are you sure? Are you sure you want to read minds? There's so many things. Perhaps you have one in your mind right now that you've already thought of. What is the super strength that you want? You know that life is difficult. You know there are obstacles you face. And there are various ways of getting through them. I know that in my own life, I've thought, wow, wouldn't it be fun to have the Midas touch? And just to be honest, in our society, in our culture, at some point in time, wow, if I had the Midas touch, I could fix that. We could take away the church's debt. We could do this. We could do that. Boom, boom, boom. You know, Midas touch. Be pretty cool. None of you mentioned that. That's cool. Um, what about health? That's a big one. There's all kinds of things we can think about that, man, if I just had that, then maybe things would get a little bit easier. Today, as we look at Ephesians chapter 3, what we find out is the Apostle Paul is going to ask for one thing. He's praying for his church. And he's going to ask for a super strength, a superpower. And given the fact that he is the Apostle Paul, and he is like, I mean, him and Jesus are really close. He could ask for anything. What is the one thing that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is going to ask for. Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles. I invite you to turn there. We'll have the words up on the screen. So if you don't have a Bible. Feel free to look at the screen. And if you're visiting with us. We would love to gift you with one. We have blue Bibles in the back. You can follow along on the blue, in the blue Bibles. Or you can just watch on the screen. Or follow on your iPad. Or whatever works for you. But this is Ephesians chapter 3. Where the Apostle Paul. Who is in prison is praying for his congregation, more concerned about others than himself. And this is what he says. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, for this reason, here's why I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that, here's the content of the prayer, According to the riches of his glory, which is immeasurable, innumerable, beyond imagination. He may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that as a result, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height. And depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness that comes from God. Now, to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the incredible power at work within us, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May this be our prayer, church. May this be our prayer. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here is the one thing that the Apostle Paul asked for. And it is this. It is inner strength. What I have called today an irreducible core. 
And the reason I called it that is not because I came up with this really cool name on my own. Instead, in 2009, I was at a leadership summit where I was listening to an interview with Tony Blair. For those of you who may or may not know him, he's a British prime minister who was in power during wars and all kinds of crazy stuff. And he says in this most British of articulate and beautiful ways, he answers this question. The interviewer says, so, you know, Prime Minister Blair, you're in power during a very tumultuous time. All kinds of stuff going on around you. There's forces pulling on you from both sides. People who agree, disagree, people who hate you. How do you steer the course? How do you navigate your way through? How do you stay true to yourself and what is true north in this place where everyone wants you to compromise in their direction? And at the time, I was a pastor in a small town church where there are all kinds of politics going on. So he asked that question and boom, my radar went up. My ears were listening. I was like, okay, what is it? Tell me. Fill in the blank. I'm ready. Write down the formula. Whatever it is that's success in this high pressure, volatile, potentially compromising situation, give it to me. I'm ready for it now. You know what he said? He said, my irreducible core. I was like, what? (laughs) Your irreducible core. Now that is something else. What is that? And I started to examine within myself, what is that in me? I mean, we can answer a lot of things. Who are you? Well, I like basketball, or I'm pretty good at math, or, you know, I go to church, or I have my friends. Well, who is that? Who are you in your heart of hearts, in the deepest part of you, the thing that is most intrinsic, that if everything else was taken away, your house, your home, your kids, your family, you're left with a t-shirt and nothing else. What is left? Ephesians chapter 3 is going to help us get there today. It's going to show us how to be strengthened in our inner self, in our inner core, that deep, intrinsic part of our humanity that we hardly even know ourselves. The Apostle Paul is praying for that very thing. And I'm praying for it today for you as well. God will open your eyes and you will see. The way we'll approach it is in three steps. And they are these. Stop. Drop. And... Roll, exactly right. Stop, drop, and roll. If the world is on fire, what do you do? You stop, drop, and roll. In today's passage, we'll see those three things. And I want to start by talking about the first one, to stop, to stop. Stopping is difficult, especially in our world, and especially when things are filling our plate very quickly, and life is rushing at us, and it feels like if we do stop, then something will fall to the ground and break And it'll be our fault. And so we just keep going because it's all dependent on us and our strength that we got to do. And we're action oriented. But in reality, when we look at this passage, I think the first thing that it's trying to communicate to us is that we need to stop and see the big picture. That's why the Apostle Paul has done the first three chapters. Now we're transitioning from chapters one through three into four through six. And this is the hinge. And so in the next few passages, he's going to give you specific instructions for your family, for your marriage, for your life. But right here, he sort of switches from teaching mode and transitioning into preaching mode. But before he does so, he just stops and prays and he prays for this one thing. And he says, hey, I want you to see this big picture that I've been trying to explain in all of these chapters. Why? Well, it's a little bit like this. My 
my boys have uh, just completed a basketball season. They had four games on their third and fifth grade B team. So let me just assure you, this is not the NBA. This is very much peewee league. No offense, guys, but it, it's small. It's not very competitive. And what happens is they're unfamiliar with the game and they're getting involved. And then someone's going to, if they get the ball, someone's going to come up and guard them. Inevitably, what they do is they're go- yelling and screaming and waving their hands or going, ball, 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 ball. And that little player is sitting there with the ball just like this, like, ah, what do I do? Well, don't worry. Dad will help. Pass it. You know, dad's yelling. The coach is yelling, run the play. The kids have no idea what play that was or what it was. And everything's just kind of chaos. And there's one person with the ball and there's, there's the game. Well, that's how the season went. And eventually it ended. And I took them to the final tournament where they were watching the A-team play. And we sat up high in the bleachers. And I could just watch the lights go on. They are kind of like, wow, look at that. There's a basketball court. And there's people in different spots. And the person at the top has the ball. And there's other people on the other sides. And they're like moving around in this synchronized pattern. And it looks like they know what they're doing. And it, something's going to happen here. And it was amazing to watch as they pulled back. And they saw the big picture. They could understand what their coach was telling them to do. You see, in order for them to function in this game, in order to follow the instructions, they had to see where they were at in the picture. So too in Christianity, that's why God gives us the Bible. That's why it's so important. It's not a rule book. It is not just this historical thing that explains what happened long ago. But what it is, it's the mystery of God revealed to us so that we can look at it and say, okay, before the foundation of the earth, this is what God planned to do. And in the end, this is what he's going to do. And now I need to see where I'm at in that picture. Oh, I get it. I fit right here. Now, when the Holy Spirit calls out to me and tells me what to do, I can follow his instructions and follow through because I know what's going on around me. That This is part of the plan and it's supposed to go this way. That in fact, God's will is being accomplished. It's not dependent on me. In fact, at the end of the day, it's going to go forward with or without me. And I can rest in that when I see the big picture. But if in my life something comes up and I'm all I'm seeing is this and that and this and that, then I'm getting overwhelmed and afraid and I don't hear what's coming at me from the sides. Instead, I just drop the ball. It doesn't work. But when I pull back and I see the big picture and I understand that God has a plan and it's coming to fruition. I have one little spot in it. And all my job is, is just to follow through. If I'm to pass it to that side of the floor, boom, I'm to pass it. If I'm to give my money, I'm to give my money. If I'm to share my faith, I'm to share my faith. If I'm going to show up and my only job is just to show up today, then I show up faithfully over and over again and again. I got to see my spot. Number one, stop. And look, the second so you got to stop. you got to see the big picture. And then, what? in addition to that, what it does for you is this. If you see the big picture, and if you understand the plan, then it gives you the strength to keep going. That's what happened to Jesus. Many times I've asked myself the question, how did Jesus keep going? How did he stay emotionally healthy? And what the only answer I can come to is that 
by faith, he believed in the plan of God. So what you see in his life is this. Over and over again, he's got his disciples and he's telling them, hey guys, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get betrayed. I'm going to get crucified. And then three days later, the father's going to raise me. In other words, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. And yet he kept going. For me, as I think about those superpowers, someone earlier said, hey, one of the superpowers is I want to know the future. I'm thinking, I'm not sure that I really do. Because half the time, if we really knew what was coming down the pipe, we might want to go the other way. We may not follow through. But here's Christ knowing that he would suffer the most gruesome and agonizing death possible. And yet, he decides to follow through. Why? Because he saw himself in the big picture, in the plan of God, and he knew where he was going. He knew where he came from, and he knew where he's going to. That's what Hebrews chapter 12 says about Jesus when it says, look, after reviewing all the other heroes of the faith who did the same sort of thing, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's all the people in chapter 11, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which... which clings so closely, those things that jump in front of us and get in our way. And let us push them aside and run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the perfect founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you too may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Number one, if you're struggling, you don't understand, you need to stop and see the big picture. Understand Ephesians chapter 1, in him before the foundation of the world, God chose you. And as a result, he chose you and he's not going to abandon you. He won't leave you or forsake you, but instead he will raise you up just like Jesus. And Jesus has completed his cross But guess what? We have more cross to go. There's more left. Our cross is not finished and we got to carry it to the very end. But once we do, then he will raise us up. And so we, like Jesus, look forward to the joy that is set before us. Maybe despising the shame, but enduring and running with patience and laying aside every other weight. So number one, stop. Number two, drop. Number two, drop. The reason I'm using this is because um, I want us to think about um, the idea of dropping to our knees to pray. In other words, there's an ask here. First of all, there's the see the big picture and see yourself in it. But then secondly, there's an ask. When I am lonely, when I'm afraid, when I feel weak, when I feel tired... I go before God and I ask for what? Strength, right? I ask for more. Like, Lord, please give me strength. But you know what I discovered as I looked at this passage? That may in fact be the wrong ask. That I'm actually asking for the wrong thing. Because Peter tells us that we already have everything we need for life and godliness. So what then should I be asking for? Well, let's look at an old story in second kings chapter six and see what the right ask is this is a time when elisha that's 
Elisha, the second prophet. Elijah was the first. Elisha is the second. Was being chased by a foreign king. And the reason he was is because he was giving away the enemy's position. So the Israelite army could always evade attack because he would tell them, hey, the bad guys are hiding over there. And the foreign king was like, how do they know that? Well, there's this prophet and he doesn't, you know, God, he sees things and God tells him and well, okay, let's kill the prophet. Get rid of the prophet. We solve the problem. So this king sends out his special forces, his best guys to surround the city and kill the prophet. That's your task. That's your mission. Get rid of this guy so we can be successful. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And when the servant of Elisha, the man of God, got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops and horses and chariots everywhere. And he's thinking, I'm going to die. Young man cries out to Elisha, sir, what will we do now? And Elisha told him, don't be afraid. What? Don't be afraid. Are you crazy? We're surrounded. We're going to die. For why? There are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elijah prayed, and here's the ask. Here's the drop. Oh, Lord, open his eyes. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's eyes, and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. In other words, the ask is not for more strength. That's what I asked for. Like, Lord, please give me strength. And God is, must be laughing at me saying, you already have it. I gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you the most powerful force in the entire world. That the spirit inside of you is better than Jesus beside you. Because the spirit unites you with him. You are now one with Christ. And in him you are complete. You have all the fullness that comes from him. And therefore, you don't need any more strength. You need to just see the strength you have. Amen. You need to see the Holy Spirit. He's there. He's real and he's powerful. And here you are just sitting on it. You don't know. It's like that servant who's sitting there. And Elijah, I I can imagine him just like filing his nails or something. Like he's just sitting there like he's been through this. He's, He's been there, done that. There's many times when God's come through for him. And if not him, his master, when Jezebel and the prophets of Baal and that whole thing. And he's just sitting there thinking, yep, another one of these. We're surrounded. What are you talking about? Are you crazy? No, no, no. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. There's a lot of stuff in your life and it's waving at you like this and you can't see anything. But if you stop for a moment and you drop to your knees and you ask God to open your eyes, your perspective will change. But let me assure you, it is an ask. It is not something you can manufacture. I was sitting there waiting for Tony Blair to give me a list of steps. Like, okay, every morning read one psalm, read one proverb, and read one chapter of the New Testament. Pray for 30 minutes, do 15 push-ups, have a healthy breakfast, and you'll be ready. (laughs) And it's not enough. I mean, it's good. All of those things are helpful and healthy and important. But the reality is this. At the end of the day, you can read your Bible... And it just sits there and nothing happens unless you ask. You can go out and you can plan a process and you can try to, you know, strategize down to the nth degree. But you're not going to accomplish anything unless you ask. 
The power and the magic of the Holy Spirit is simply this. He can do anything he wants at the flip of a switch. Boom. And it'll happen. It's all dependent upon the ask. That's why prayer is so important. And it's not babbling prayer. It's not repetitive prayer. But it's very, very simple. Just like this. This is a simple prayer. No these and thous. No Lord Almighty. It's nothing. He just goes straight to the throne and says, God, open his eyes. That's it. Open his eyes. Church, we need to pray. The Lord will open our eyes. Where is he at work? What is he doing? What has he called us to do? Help us to see ourselves in his plan and in that picture. And then when we can see the whole court, we know what we're supposed to do. God, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Number one, stop. Number two, drop. And number three, roll. Number three, roll. I need a couple volunteers. Let's see here. Noah, you looked up. Come on up, man. All right. All right. I need one more, at least one more volunteer. Who thinks they can take Noah in a game of basketball? (laughs) All right. Zion, is that you? No, you can't. All right. You've seen him dunk. That's what happened, right? All right. Let's see here. Need. Oh, there we go. Come on up, Drew. You're a brave man. All right. Hustle, buddy. All right. Come on up. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Drew, come here. I need you on my team. Come here. All right. Listen, listen to me. Don't look at him. All right. We're going to do a pick and roll. Do you know how that works? All right. So you're going to have the ball over there. I'm going to pick. You come around to the basket, and then you give a bounce pass. We're going to get a hoop. All right? Okay. We got it. All right. Drew's over here. Drew's got the ball. Come on over on the, by the purple thing. Perfect. There you go. All right, Drew's got the ball. You're pretending to play defense. Now, this illustration needs to work because it's church, so chill, okay? All right. Okay. All right, thanks. All right. Here you go, Drew. Here's the ball. Ready? Boom. All right, he's playing defense. Now, I'm on Drew's team. Drew's got the ball. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to come over, and I'm going to try to take care of his defender. Remember, go around. All right, so I set a pick. Oh, man, I just blew him away. Now, after I pick... All right, good job. <laughs> good job. All right, after I pick, what I'm going to do is I'm going to roll. The basket's that way. Drew's gone that way on the right-hand side of the basket. The other right. Keep going. There you go. All right, good. And then I'm going to roll by putting my left foot around him, and I'm going to totally seal him off. Now, I'm assuming the defense is coming, and they're going to collapse on Drew since they see him going straight to the bucket since I got his man. But then as he's going to the bucket, what I'm going to do is I'm also going to go to the bucket And then Drew's going to give me a nice little bounce pass. And assuming I could actually make a layup with my left hand, I would hit the shot. And that's how it works. Right? Just like that. Good job, guys. All right. Good job. Thanks, buddy. Okay. So that's a pick and roll. That's how it's supposed to happen. The three things we're doing, again, to grow in strength in this sermon were what? Stop, drop, and roll. Exactly right. Thank you. Now, What happens here in our league, that looked really neat and crisp because these guys were kind enough to display it. But when it gets messy in the real game, what actually happens is this. No offense, guys, but I've seen my sons do, one of my sons at least, do this. Like, he goes and he sets the pick. Zion, are you watching this, buddy? (laughs) All right, this is your basketball lesson for today. All right, he sets the pick, and you know the next step is to roll. 
And his guy goes around like this. But then he turns around and he follows the guy with a ball. And he's like right next to this guy. And he's like, pass it, pass it, pass it. And I asked him after the game, I said, Zion, why, why are you following? Like, he's like, cause he'll never pass it. I'm like, oh, he'll pass it. I'm like, just try it. And I watch the next game. Nope. <laughs> he never passes it. And what I realized was, is this is in order for this person to do what they're supposed to do, they have to believe in the other. In order for them to do what they're supposed to do, they have to trust and have faith in the other. Remember, we said having faith was believing the promises and living in such a way so as to prove it. So if they talk before the game and his friend says, I will pass it to you, Zion has to believe, yes, he will. And therefore, I'm not going to follow right behind him. But instead, I'm going to move away and get open because I know he promised he's going to pass me the ball. And what that would do is that would entirely change the way Zion plays the game. He would go from following right against this person and not trusting to going and stepping out and trusting. That's what happens when we roll with the promises of God. See, God gives us these promises. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He says, step out and trust me. And a lot of times we're like, okay, we got the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we got the Bible. We're ready to go. And then we're like, eh. Don't want to do it. We're scared. We're afraid. We don't believe that God will come through. And it's one thing to look at a little basketball player who doesn't know how to play and kind of laugh and giggle. But it's another thing to say that we don't actually believe in the promises and power of Almighty God. He is faithful. Look at the Old Testament all the way through. This is what it says of him. You're faithful. You're faithful. You're faithful. Why is that such a big deal? Because he made these promises and it's on his faithfulness that they depend. And if he's truly faithful, then we know he'll come through. So every time it's our time to respond, we can pick and roll and just trust that God is going to pass us the ball. That's why we give and we don't give grudgingly, but we give generously because we know God will provide for our needs. And we don't have to go, oh, shoot, now I'm in trouble. But we can go, oh, yeah, I know God's going to be there. That's why we share our faith is because we're not like, oh, man, they're going to get offended or I'm going to push them away or I'm going to lose this relationship. No, we share our faith and we know Holy Spirit's here. And if he's one of If they're one of his, he's going to call them to himself, and this is going to be great. And that's why we step out and do things on faith, because we believe the promises of God will come through. It changes our life. We have to stop, see the big picture. We have to drop, we got to ask, and we got to roll. we got to believe the promises that God gives us. Now, there's one other thing I want to tell you about that. I've just given you stop, drop, and roll. So perhaps that feels a little bit like a formula. And it's mostly just so you can remember it. But let's say you go out there and it doesn't work the first time. Like, metaphorically speaking, you, you set a pick and you expect to get the ball and you don't get it. Well, what happened? Well, you still got to trust that God sees the big picture. And so maybe you share your faith and they don't come to Jesus in that moment. Okay, it's all right. Maybe you give and instantly you don't see your problem solved. Fine. It's okay. Keep believing and keep practicing. And the more you practice, then it becomes muscle memory and a part of who you are, your inner self and your inner core. Your being begins to change. But it doesn't do so until you do it over and over and over and over again. So you practice and you practice and you practice. One time in this very gym... 
See, I have like two stories of glory from my entire basketball career. There's only two. This is one of them. So I'll save the other for a great day later. But I'd actually got to a point where I had learned how to shoot free throws with my eyes closed. Like, I knew how, it, it's, it's, it sounds fancy, but it's really not that hard once you basically learn the distance between you and the goal, how hard you have to push it, you line yourself up, you do exactly the same thing every time, and it goes in, eyes open or eyes closed. That's why the guys in the big games can shoot with all the lights flashing and people screaming and this and that, because they don't even have to think about it. They just close their, basically, almost close their eyes, close their mind, and shoot. So it's been like, you know, 20 years plus since I've played basketball. And one day, there's this cute little girl over here in the gym playing basketball, and she was struggling with her free throws. I could watch her left, right, front, center, whatever. And I was kind of new at the time to the church, and I just prayed, Oh, Lord, here's an opportunity for some relationship building. Let's see how this goes. I don't know. What's going to happen? What What's the worst that could happen, right? So I walk in there, and I say, Hey, Olivia, are you interested in seeing how to shoot a free throw? And she's like, Oh, okay. So whatever. I'm just like, okay, God, please help. Close my eyes. <laughs> Close them. Boom, boom. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Went right in. She was looking at me like, that is the best basketball player I've ever seen. <laughs> and I've never let her see me play basketball after that. <laughs> That's it. That's all she gets. <laughs> no other shots ever. So I'm like one for one, 100%. <laughs> If she saw me play after that, everything would change. But I walked away. I just shot it, went through, walked away. That's it. After that, I was a great basketball player. I don't know. Now my secret's out. I'm really not. But here's the thing. It's just muscle memory. All you have to do is practice it over and over again, and it becomes a part of who you are. It doesn't mean you're amazing. It doesn't mean you can dunk. It doesn't mean anybody's going to ever play you for pay you to do anything. But it means it becomes part of who you are. That's the thing with Christianity. You know, you're not going to be perfect overnight. This this isn't an instant quick fix. Like, oh, Pastor Jeremy said, stop, drop, and roll. Next week, I'm going to be like Jesus. No, it's going to be like next week, and the next week, and the week after that, and over and over again. And every time you get somewhere, you'll discover something else that you need to work on. And that's okay. That's the Holy Spirit of God doing his work on you, transforming you to become more and more like the image of Christ. It's a long process. It's a marathon. That's why he says, run the race that's before you. Set aside all the weights. There's going to be a lot of things that come up. And the reason you keep going is for the joy that's set before you. When you maintain that perspective, the eternal vision of what God has for you, you can keep going. And you don't worry about one little pothole along the way or one wrong turn or one step in the ditch or one fall or one scrape or one bruise. doesn't matter because you see the big picture and you know God's eternal plan is that he chose you in him before the foundation of the world and just like jesus he's going to raise you up but just like jesus you got more cross to go so keep going keep going don't quit and you do it over and over again and eventually becomes part of who you are stop drop and roll over and over and over again got one more picture to show you this morning i ordered a t-shirt this week a christian t-shirt a lot of times I don't do this. You probably think he's a pastor, so his closet is plumb full of Christian t-shirts. It's not the case, actually. This is the first one I've had in a long time. Um, but this is what it looks like. I, it didn't make it here by today, so I have to show you the picture like this. See it? Yeah. Who's that in the middle? Jesus. And around him? Avengers plus who? 
Spider-Man who's not an Avenger? Yet. He is? Okay, there's some debate on that. All right. We'll hold. But here's the thing. Here's why I got this picture up. Because I love it. I think this really challenges both our inherent assumptions and our cultural assumptions. And what it is is this. Is we as human beings, we see evil or we see an obstacle. And we think like the superheroes. We're like, crush it. Boom. Pound it. Give us more strength, more power. And boom. We'll overcome it. That's the way it works, right? That's why we pray, God, give me more strength. But Jesus does something entirely different. And that's why these guys are just looking around at him like they're befuddled. Like the Hulk thinks, I just get more angry and I overcome it with anger. Captain America uses shield, Spider-Man a web, Thor his hammer. And Jesus doesn't use a hammer. But he takes the hammer. Right? Instead of taking life to save life, Jesus gives his life to save life. He doesn't crush, but he gets crushed. And what the devil, in fact, tries to use to destroy him, he uses to destroy the devil. And in dying... Jesus defeats death. This is the amazing, supernatural, spectacular twist that leaves the superheroes and all the rest of us befuddled. We don't understand, and yet is the miracle of God. And this, this very place, sitting at the feet of Jesus, is where we, in fact, find our strength. In the eternal plan of God, we look back to the cross even further before the foundations of the earth. And we look forward to the resurrection. And we see in him. The perfect completion. Of the will of God. And this. Is how he saved the world. By being able to see the plan of God. And follow through. Even though he knew the cross was before him. Jesus says to the father. Not my will. But yours. So too with us, church, we need to sit at the feet of Jesus and submit to him. And God is going to put things in our path. And they could be big. They could be scary. They could be bad. They could be whatever. And they're screaming at us. And when they are, we need to stop, step back, see the big picture. And then drop to our knees and ask that God will turn on the light. And then once we do, we get up and we roll with whatever comes. This is how we discover inner strength. This is how we develop the irreducible core over and over again. Not by crushing the enemy, not by asking for some superpower, but instead by following Christ in the way of the cross. So I ask you, therefore, not to lose heart Over what you're suffering. For this reason we bow our knees before the father. That according to the immeasurable riches of his glory. He may grant to you to be strengthened. With power. Through his spirit in your inner being. That you being rooted and grounded in love. May actually have the strength to comprehend. 
with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness that comes from God. Now to him who is able to do what we can't, and far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus, our hero, to save us. Indeed, we are surprised, Lord, he did it quite a bit differently than what we would expect. We're thankful for the cross, the forgiveness it brings. We're excited about the resurrection and the hope that it gives. And Lord, as we take up our cross, looking forward to the resurrection, we pray that you would help us to see the strength that you've given us already. In Jesus' name, amen.